Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to an amazing guitar player, Gabriel Sear. Gabriel is a professional guitar player, composer, producer, and YouTube sensation with more than 110,000 subscribers, which I did notice. I went to your YouTube page, and those great guitar solos things seem to have went over really, really well, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They're really fun to do, and people seem to appreciate them and it's really nice to see the reaction of people because I did the first one, which was the 70s, and it was just project for fun. And I think my YouTube channel back then had like 300 followers. And from then until now, I mean, it just exploded. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. So tell me a little bit, where are you from? Where are you calling from right now? Yeah, I'm from Quebec City in Canada. So I'm a French-speaking Canadian. <laughs> And music-wise, I come from a very musical family. My mother and two sisters play piano. My father plays some very basic acoustic guitar. <laughs> and I have one uncle who's really good at bass guitar. And it's really him who got me into music. I actually started on bass when I was 11 and switched to guitar a year later because one of my friends was playing bass too and someone had to just change instrument because two bass together wasn't that fun. <laughs> so yeah, I said, okay, I will try guitar. and really fall in love with it and just became a great, great passion. When you first started playing, you said you played bass. Was it your idea to play bass? Were you excited about playing bass or did somebody say, hey, we need a bass player? No, it was my idea because I saw my uncle and I was really impressed by what he was doing. He was really into progressive rock and he was doing his own composition and but introduced me also to Dream Theater and bands like that. It was really interesting to me at this time and I wanted to play bass, but later, okay, I, I will try guitar. And finally it was, oh, okay, this is it. <laughs> really fell in love with the instrument. So when you were a kid and you started playing guitar, if you think back to those early days, other than your uncle, who were some of your influences? Who did you look at and go, oh man, I wish I could play like whoever? Yeah, the very first time I started playing, I was really into bands like Green Day and Metallica, Iron Maiden. Nirvana stuff, so some stuff that you can play when you're beginning at the instrument. But one player that really changed my vision of the instrument was John Petrucci from Dream Theater. And also players like Paul Gilbert and Steve Vai, Joe Satriani. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I remember one DVD, <laughs> which was a G3 Live in Tokyo, which like changed my life. <laughs> it was so amazing, and I really wanted to play what those guys were able to do. And yeah, hugely influential for me. That's awesome. So when you started learning about this stuff, we'll talk more about today and what you do today too, but back in those early days, how much did you practice? What was your practice routine like when you first started getting into Dream Theater and Vi and Satch and all that kind of stuff? At this time, I was 13 years old. I started to take some lessons with a friend of my sister who played guitar very well, actually, and he showed me scales, modes, and how to practice my technique to be able to do and to play actually progressive metal, progressive stuff, and this kind of guitar playing. So I was practicing three hours a day, mainly of scales and technique. But the thing was that I was also in a music program in high school. 
I was playing the flute, actually, <laughs> in the harmony. But I was playing guitar also at school in some ensemble, like a stage band, some jazz ensembles. So I was playing other stuff with the guitar already at this stage, but my personal practice was really focused into technique. When did you make the transition from doing that? Did you start playing in bands at an early age or anything like that, other than, of course, school? Yeah, actually, my teacher, when I was in first year in high school, hired me to play in her band to play like functional gigs like weddings and <laughs> office parties and stuff like that. I had the chance to start pretty young playing some gigs and yeah, it was fun. I wasn't playing like four times a week, but a few gigs a year with them. And it was really a great experience for me. Sure. So then when did you start making the transition to writing your own material, which we're going to talk about as well? Yeah, okay. This is very much later, actually, because I went to college and studied jazz guitar. So here in Quebec, we have what we call Cégep, which is like an in-between university and high school. So I studied in Cégep in jazz guitar, and I did bachelor degree in jazz interpretation after that at Laval University. I only started composing the new song that I released last year after that, actually pretty recently in, I would say in 2019. But I've always composed some stuff. I have a band uh, which is called Universe Effects, which is a progressive metal band. So I was composing with them. And even if it wasn't my own stuff, I was composing and I composed a lot of jazz songs also when I was studying. And even before that, but it wasn't as serious as it is now. Do you find it easier for you to write by yourself or do you tend to write with the band? Some of the stuff I was listening to, I noticed you use a lot of different tunings and things like that. There's a lot of texture going on from really progressive stuff to what was the song I was listening to? Plastic Personality almost had, I don't know if you know who Blue Saraceno is, but it almost had kind of a Blue Saraceno vibe to it. There's a lot of different things going on in the music. Is that more you or is that something that you collaborate with other people with? No, I think it comes me being influenced by many styles over Many years I've played the instrument because I've played many genres, different styles of music. And I like playing different styles of music too. I like playing pop music. I like playing metal, jazz, all different stuff. So I like those things. And I think it's pretty natural that many influences come together in my music. That's cool. So does your band, do you guys, obviously with COVID, everything has changed for everybody. But prior to COVID, did you guys play? Did you guys do shows and things like that? Or is this an online only project? Okay, so Universe Effects, my prog band, yeah, we were playing, we were doing shows, and we have two albums now, and it's really a band project that we play together. For my solo project, I do almost everything from A to Z. Actually, for my first EP, I hired two of my friends to play bass, and I play bass on one of the songs, and I always hire drummers, because I play some drums, but I want... (laughs) I want some real drums too. I don't want to use like programmed drums for my music. So I'm hiring drummers. Other than that, for the first EP, I did all the guitars, keyboards, some bass, mixing and mastering. And for the second one, I played all guitar, bass, almost all synths. (laughs) I do almost everything in my solo project. You also do your own mixing and mastering as well? Yeah, actually, I developed those skills over the years and... Of course, I would like if I had the chance to hire like a very good mixing engineer and a very good mastering engineer. But I think for those kind of projects, especially I'm beginning with this project, I wanted to keep it as simple as possible. And also financially, it's just very nice to be able to do those things and makes it more viable. Yeah, that's right. Do you also teach 
Are, are you primarily a writer in that sort of thing? Like, what do you do for other things musically? I have a few students. Actually, I taught in a primary school for four years. Now I'm only teaching like private lessons with a few students. But I wouldn't say this is my main source of revenues. Actually, I do more studio jobs nowadays. I'm composing for other people. I'm recording music. I'm helping some people with their arrangements. And also there's a company here in Quebec who hires me to play guitar on like publicity, ad music and radio teams, radio stations. I play guitar for those songs. That's awesome. That's something that I always try and explain to people too, that it's important, especially in 2021, trying to be a musician, you need to diversify and you need to be able to do different things. You need to be able to wear different hats to be able to make a living actually making music or whatever you want to call that, being in the music industry. So you do some lessons, you do a lot of studio work, things like that. Do you find that it keeps you really busy? Are you overwhelmed with stuff, especially since COVID? Has COVID affected what you do for a living? Yeah, in a way, but I mean, it's going well and I'm okay, <laughs> everything. And of course it keeps me busy, but I like what I do and it's not a problem. But you have to be careful to not overwork yourself because it can be easy to just be absorbed in your work and do nothing else and it can bring you towards burnout and things like that. So yeah, we have to be careful with this stuff because it's our passion and we like it, but it's still work. So we have to take breaks. We have to do other things and keep a certain balance. Yeah, that's right. Well, that brings me to the next thing. You and I were talking a little bit earlier. You had tendonitis. When did you develop tendonitis? First developed them in when I was in CEGEP in between high school and university. Yeah, I was probably 19 years old. And I had them for six years of my life. And it was always like, okay, I have a good three months, everything's going fine. And then, oh, I have a bad few weeks. And just, I was never able to solve the problem really until 2019. And I've seen different specialists and tried different things, different exercise program. And it's really hard because it's not because a specialist tells you, okay, you can do this, 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 that it is necessarily the right thing for you. And you have to try many specialists before you find the right program that will work for you. And for me, it took several years. And I would say I could have been more quick if I consulted more often different specialists instead of returning to the same ones when it doesn't work. Right. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far and you're getting motivated to take your guitar playing to the next level. Please do me a favor and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It'll help the show grow and reach more rock stars like you who want to improve their guitar playing. Also, I'd love to know what parts of the episode you liked, as well as what you learned. So please share this podcast and tag us at guitarzoom.com on your social post. And now, let's get back to the podcast. So what exactly did you do? Again, we were talking, I had uh, carpal tunnel syndrome in my hands and I had to have surgery. And of course, I'm 50 years old now. So when I had the surgery, it's very different back then. It's not as evasive now where I have a scar that runs halfway down both of my hands and recuperation took a long time and a lot of exercise, things like that. What did you wind up doing as far as tendonitis goes for rehab, that thing? Yeah, actually, my problem was mainly due to a lack of flexibility in my arms and from the end to the neck, not only the forearm or the end, it's really the old tendons chains. So I have some specific stretchings to do that will stretch the old tendons chain. I have neck exercises too, to reinforce the neck and higher section of the back. And 
pretty much that that solved my problem, I would say. And it wasn't like instant. I mean, in the summer of 2019, I wasn't able to play more than like 30 minutes a day. It was really, really hard. And after 30 minutes, it was just, okay, I need to stop. Really bad. But with those exercises, I did also some physiotherapy. And it's not acupuncture, but it's something needles, but they spike you uh, near the nerves. <laughs> it's really strange technique, but it helps to release tensions and it really helped me well, this technique. But it's mainly the stretchings that help me. Gotcha. So I'm assuming you're going to do those, like that's something that you do for the rest of your life are those stretches. So do you think, as far as your tendonitis goes, do you think that was something that was genetic or was that something probably that had to do with the mass amount of hours that you were practicing and things like that, but not properly stretching? I think it's both because there are people who never stretch and will never have problems. And there are people who also have very good flexibility just naturally. And it wasn't my case. <laughs> I had a bad flexibility and it's just something that always have been like that. But when you want to practice a lot and play a lot and play hard stuff, you have to treat your body almost like an athlete, like someone who wants to do the Olympics or something like that when you're asking so much of your body. So if you're not very flexible and want to practice a lot, I would suggest seriously doing some stretchings. I always tell people, again, now being 50 years old and doing this since I was 13, I have found as I get older, I actually have to do a pre-practice, which is like a warm-up. I mean, I do warm-ups as well, like stretching and things. But when I go to practice, it seems like when I first grab the guitar for the day, my hands just don't want to work. I have arthritis and things as I get older too. So the first thing I have to do is I just have to go through some legato exercises, things like that, just to get things moving before I actually engage in a real practice for the day. And of course, it takes a little bit longer to do that, but it really works better for me because my initial practice was my practice. I'd be frustrated every day because it just seems like I have to go through this routine to really get to anywhere where I can actually start feeling an accomplishment in my practice. Yeah, yeah. In my case, I still warm up with the guitar. Of course, I do warm up, but my stretchings, I really do them after when my body's warm and when my muscles are warm. It's when it's the more efficient. These days, I'm doing, you probably know Tom Coyle. Yeah, yeah. Amazing guitar player, yeah. Yes. I'm doing, yeah, yeah. doing his uh, legato workshop exercise. So sure. it's like 20-minute sessions of legato practice, and I'm doing this to warm up, and it's really great. Love practicing those. Yeah, and it's awesome. I mean, the thing for people that listen to this or watch this understanding that everybody, all of us have to develop a routine to stay healthy. And it's just so different from practicing 10, 15 minutes a day to practicing an hour or two or three hours a day, really committing your life to this. So one thing that I've realized, I've been teaching guitar since I was 17. And then just my love of teaching is what became what I do for a living on social media and that sort of thing is trying to get people to stay motivated and stay positive because it's so easy with COVID, with issues like you had with your hands and I had with mine to get depressed, to get down on themselves. And I think it's just really important that we try and talk about that a little bit. When you talk to people, like if you talk to a guitar player, you have a student that's frustrated. How do you get them out of that? Depends. They are frustrated for what reason. <laughs> you have to put everything in perspective. If you're just starting guitar, if it is your first year, you can't ask of yourself to do the same thing than someone who's been playing for like 20 years. It's just not reasonable. And just mainly is to be patient because it's something that will develop over time. There's not really a shortcut. Skip like all of those hours. And yeah, it's just to be patient. Yeah, that's right. 
with your YouTube channel, tell me a little bit about that. So when did you start posting? Like when was your first YouTube video? Oh, my first one. Okay. <laughs> Not sure exactly when it probably like in 2011, maybe 2012, really? something yeah. like that. But <laughs> I wasn't a serious YouTuber at that time. I don't know if I'm really a YouTuber now, but anyway, I just did post a video at this date and I really started to work on my YouTube channel more seriously in 2018. Actually, when I did the first great guitar solo medley uh, with the 70s, after that, I did Guitarist of the Year contest that gave me a good visibility and just kickstarted my YouTube channel. And after that, I did 80s great guitar solos and many more videos. And yeah. Right. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I was listening to some of your music this week, and then I was checking out your YouTube channel as well. It's funny because anybody that's either trying to get their YouTube channel going or wants to get a YouTube channel going. It's so funny because you can release a video and it'll get 60,000 views and then you'll release another video and it'll get like six. You never can tell how videos are going to do. And so again, I always try and encourage people, you do it because you enjoy it. There's a lot of marketing that can go behind these things. But the most important thing is, is you have to create content that you find interesting that you hope somebody else will find interesting as well. So yeah, so I congratulations. I like your channel a lot. It's awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And if I can add something, it's just for example, on my channel, I have those great guitar solos, video, medley, and that have like many millions view. But I have also my own compositions, some jazz stuff, some less <laughs> mainstream stuff that has like a few thousand views. But it's okay. And I will continue to do those things because I love doing those. And it's just, it's important to me to keep my channel diversified and just, I'm not doing only the videos for the views. Like Right. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's important to keep that in context too for somebody that's trying to get started because I remember having a buddy from England that we played in a band together. We did a tour together and he was going to get started on a YouTube channel. And I said, you really just got to think about, because I've been doing this a long time, 10 years from now, are you going to look back on those videos and be proud of what it was that you did? Or are you going to look back, like if you start doing some sort of gimmick, are you going to now have to do that gimmick for forever as opposed to just being you when you make videos. And I've just always found that it's easier to just be authentic, just be you. And hopefully people will be inspired and motivated and entertained by you. Tell me if somebody's interested in finding your music or discussing with you, hiring you, you know, whether it's lessons, whether it's a studio thing, what's the best way of contacting you, Gabriel? I have my official website, which is gabrielsierguitarists.com. I have also my YouTube channel, Gabriel Sir Guitarist. I have my Facebook page. People can contact me by Facebook too, Gabriel Sir Guitarist also. <laughs> so yeah. He's doing it right. Of course, when I first got into this, YouTube was new and nobody knew what was going on. The internet was all new. And I didn't think of myself as being like Steve Stein guitarist or Steve Stein guitar or Steve Stein lessons. I just would name whatever, wherever and go wherever. And now that's another thing that's really important is, is to keep your branding very consistent, have the same name for everything that it is that you're doing. So that's a very easy way of being able to get a hold of Gabriel. So tell me, if there's one legacy that you could leave for the music industry, something that you would leave if you were not here tomorrow, what is it that you'd be most proud of? My songs, some songs that people would like eventually. And it's the thing that I really like doing. And it's my favorite thing to do in music, just creating some stuff. And if I could just leave some songs that some people like, don't necessarily want to have like millions of people liking my songs, but yeah, just if a few people like my songs and just enjoy them. Yeah, that's what I want to do. 
I'm curious myself, and I know it's not easy to say, but if you had to choose one song that defines Gabriel, what song would it be? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have this song which is called Intergalactic Spaceship Race. It's a pretty intense song, but yeah, there's kind of different vibes in the song, and it's, I think it represents well what I do and what I like, too. I'm going to totally check that out. As soon as we're done with this thing, I'm going to go, yeah. go listen to that. So one last thing here for you. What's your greatest advice for a young musician or guitar player that's starting out and wanting to do what it is that you do? What advice would you give them? I would say it's to find what you really like and what you really want to do. And it's something I realized later in my life. You know, in the music industry and just as a musician, you you don't want to do it and just not do really what you like and just, oh, okay, I'm in music. And it's already a tough market. So you really need to be in the right place so you will work a lot of hours and you will like it. I think that's the most important thing to find what you really want to do. And there are many, many options. It's only you that can know that. That's right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Gabriel. It was nice hanging out with you. And remember how to get a hold of Gabriel. We'll have some stuff posted as well so you can contact him if you have any interest in learning from Gabriel or hiring him to do some work for you, things like that. So, Gabriel, thank you so much for your time. It was awesome talking to you. Oh, thank you, Steve. Absolutely. (laughs) Take care and have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button.